Thank you for listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Please don't turn that dial. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Chapter 24. I was reading the important safety notice pinned to the wall for the tenth time when Jack stepped out into the hall, and I still wasn't sure what it said. I had been on a slow burn for the last two hours and was still so mad that I was shaking. Hey, Jack said, surprised to see me. Hey, yourself, I said, standing and seeing red as I did so. Listen, hotshot, I don't know what it is you're accustomed to, but I am not a fairy princess and I do not require rescuing. You follow that? I was almost as surprised by this outburst as Jack. Until it happened, I didn't even know that I intended to rip his head off. But there it was. He didn't miss a beat, though. Who said I was riding to your rescue, he snapped. Maybe I went over to finally put you out of my misery and shot two innocent hired killers by accident. Imagine my disappointment. Oh yeah, I hollered. Brilliant, Dixon. Nice retort. Yeah, Jack said, twice as loud as me. Pipe down, a random voice from down the hall called out. Go to hell, Jack and I replied, almost in unison and at top volume. There was a moment of silence. I tried not to laugh, but it must have been obvious because Jack rolled his eyes and pushed back a half grin himself. Know what I think, he asked. I think the only people we hate more than each other right now is everybody else. I nodded. That sounds about right, actually, I said. We didn't say anything for a minute. I'm sorry I took your head off, I said. I don't know why I did that. Jack shrugged. Somebody just tried to kill us, he said. And you didn't get to blow off any steam by shooting them like I did. I nodded. Two down, about a hundred and fifty to go, I said. Jack nodded. There are two others that'll be out of commission for a while, but otherwise that's probably about right. Mind you, that's the whole organization. Some of those wouldn't actually be muscle. Any chance of us living long enough to get to the accountants, I asked. Jack shrugged again. I wouldn't think so, he said. You been to your office? I shook my head. The scene has been described to me in detail by your friend, Sergeant Holm, I said. Ah, Ted, Jack smiled. Yeah, I said. He tried pretty hard to be impressive, but he was also helpful. This way. I started to walk through the corridors of robbery homicide. To my surprise, Jack followed without protest. It isn't Ted's fault, Jack said. He just has a weakness for a particular type. Jack, I said. Just about every man I meet has a weakness for my particular type. Nice to see it hasn't gone to your head, Jack snorted. No, I said, but it does make it tough to take any of you seriously. I opened a door at the far end of the hall and headed down a set of stairs, as Sergeant Holm had showed me earlier. Jack followed. What about Big Al Rossetti, Jack said, his voice echoing down the staircase. Are we taking him seriously yet? Oh, we are indeed, I said. He started to clean house earlier than we thought. I noticed that, Jack replied. Where in the hell are we going? Motor pool, I replied. Why are we going to the motor pool, Jack asked. Trying not to pick up a tail the second we leave the station, I replied, on account of I would like to live a little longer and I am unwilling to hide in police headquarters for the next month or so. Nice, he said. Your office was pretty trashed. So I hear, I replied. They were looking for something, Jack said. Yes, I said. What were they looking for, Jack asked. I opened the door into the underground car bay. The loading dock was quiet, and there weren't more than a half a dozen officers all milling about on what appeared to be legitimate business. I could see my car down at the end near the ramp to the street. I reached into my handbag and gripped the Beretta. My best guess is they were looking for my camera, I said. Your camera? Jack asked. 
Yes, I said, because your office wasn't touched. I see two problems with that, Jack replied. Only two, I asked. There isn't anything on your camera, he said, ignoring me. Nothing of Mayfield or Tim's, anyway. I know that, I said, but they couldn't be sure. Also, your camera is at my office, he said. I nodded. Yeah, remind me to kill you for that later, I said. I guess that means whoever their source is isn't that close to the case. A dirty cop, Jack said. You astonish me. Yeah, well, keep your eyes peeled, Geronimo, I said, still eyeing the officers who shared the underground with us. This would be a pretty stupid place to die. It is an interesting point, he said. If you're right, this is the first thing that ties Rossetti to Jimmy Lish's murder. Beyond our cunning brand of guesswork, I offered. Yeah, he said, besides that. If Rossetti is on the hunt for photos, it means that Lish had something Rossetti thought was worth killing for. Or at least Rossetti thought he did. Doesn't do us much good, I said. He's got it now. Does he? Jack asked. If Lish had pictures of Mayfield's extracurricular activities, would he have been stupid enough to keep them in his office? All of them? I stopped beside my car. Would Jimmy Lish really have been worried about reprisals from Roger Mayfield, I asked? What if Mayfield wasn't the target, Jack asked, with a tone of sudden revelation. What? I spat. Rosetti asks Janet Timms to make Mayfield happy and keep him that way. She doesn't know why, but she figures he rates. Maybe she contacts Lish. Maybe it was Lish's idea. Who knows? But they decide Rosetti owes Janet a little more for her years of service. Oh my god, they're idiots, I said. They are also dead, Jack agreed. They set up the photo shoot and went to Big Al looking for a payout, I asked. Jack shrugged. Could be, he said. So how did Mayfield get the photo, I asked. Maybe they sent it to him to shake him up, Jack said, let him deliver the news to Rossetti, or maybe Janet Timms had a stack of prints made up to present to Big Al and Mayfield discovered them, took the one that showed the least of his skin and brought it to me. Which would explain the no demands, I said. He didn't know for sure what was going on, but he knew how dead he was if he became a liability to Rossetti. Jack thought about it. Seems a little too cunning for Roger Mayfield, he said. But it could be. Anyway, the precise chronology isn't that important. Except in court, I said, which looks to be the only way we live through this. Okay, point, Jack said. But it means that Jimmy Lish's prized petunias might still be out there somewhere, and if we had them, we might have something to bargain with. Yeah, I said, that worked out well for Janet Timms. Jack nodded and looked around. Were we going somewhere, he asked. We were, I said, but we're here now. Where, he asked. Here, I said, pointing to my car. Whose car is this, he asked. You're a real dim bulb, you know that, Justice, I said. Explain, he said. It's my car, Dingus, I said. We've been using yours and it isn't safe. How did it get here, Jack frowned. Your friend Ted went and got it, I said, while you were having tea and cookies with Sabian. Ted went above and beyond, Jack said with a smirk. Stop smiling, idiot, I said. I saw the wedding ban. Miss Dixon does not cross that particular line. He'll be crushed, Jack said. Only if you tell him, I said. Cops who get your car for you are much too useful to let off the hook that easily. I'll bet, Jack said. It beats walking home. Especially when there's probably a car full of shooters waiting out front, I agreed. Get in. You're driving, he asked. I looked at him across the hood of my car. You have exactly six seconds to retract that question entirely, I said, or I will shoot you in the knee and leave you here for Sabian or Rossetti. Jack thought about it for five seconds. That's tough but fair, he said.
This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the end of the week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of F's. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.